0: Welcome everyone. Today's show is about how to manage the massive fabric of customer data and other data sources. And to help me discuss this topic is Bob Page. Bob is now the chief product officer at Nebo, which is a creation from Datamir. Bob has been on the show before talking about analyzing massive data sets while he was at Yahoo, eBay, and Hortonworks. Bob, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back.
1: Thank you, Alison. It's good to be back.
0: So we have seen lots of different data companies come out. We've seen lots of different tools just exploding across the market. Can you tell us first a little bit about the challenges you experienced as you're using those tools at previous companies and why something different might be relevant today?
1: Well, you know what? If you look at your analytics maturity model, I've been in all those pits of despair, right? So So when I think about explosion of data and how to solve that, how to tame it, a number of years ago, many people thought, well, we'll put it in a data warehouse and then unstructured data came along and maybe we'll put it in Hadoop and we'll create a big data lake where we put all of our data and we'll be able to manage it there. And what you ended up with was a lot of systems and a data lake too. And so I would say that a lot of people got a lot of value out of the data lake, but it wasn't necessarily the thing that was going to solve all the problems. Partially because the data is everywhere and keeps on coming in from different angles, but partially because if you think in a broader sense about trying to wrangle all the assets in your environment that have to do with analytics, it's not all just data. You have have code, right? You have models that have been developed or snippets of SQL or any number of other pieces of code.
0: Like tribal knowledge or things that are residual across the organization. Yeah.
1: I mean, I remember we do these analyses and then someone would come back and say, when you did this analysis, say some stream type things, did you filter out robots? And the analyst would say, oh, I don't think so. The table I use already have robots filtered out or does that code I need to add? And oh, well, here's a snippet you can add in your analysis. Oh, okay, I'll sort of rerun it. So some of that is about documentation. Some of it is about do I'm using the right data and some of it is about am I using the right code?
0: So the analyst has the habit of going around and around and around as they gradually reflect what it is that they're pulling from and how clean that data source is or how correct it is.
1: Yeah, are they using the right one? Is it the trusted one? Are they using the right code to get at it? A lot of times there's, well, there's documentation wiki somewhere that describes this, or I know someone in my organization or has already done this. Is an expert in whoever owns this table or who's done, you know, say, a COV analysis in another department and I want to leverage their experience. So add to that, I read in uh, Mary Meeker's report. 2017, her internet report, that the average enterprise marketing organization has 91 SaaS applications that they use.
0: Wow.
1: This is average. And this was two years ago. So I suspect it's larger now. Now, to be fair, some of those are not strictly around analytics. They're Skype or Box or any number of other things. But the fact remains that there's an explosion of applications that every department needs to use, not just marketing, you know, HR and finance and engineering and IT and get on the list, those all contribute to, in one form mm-hmm. or another, what I would generally call assets that have to do mm-hmm. with how analysts are going to get their job done. They need to log into Google Analytics and do some work there. They need to go over to HubSpot or Salesforce, you name it, right? There's a whole lot of different tools that we're using these days. And it's not just a clean, oh, everything's in a database somewhere.
0: Yeah. And I think what's interesting about what you're saying too is, well, we all talk about blending the data together, but the idea of there's this tweak of the data. And that tweak, like in the robots example, sometimes you do want to include robots if you're trying to see where there's a lot of noise coming from, or is that driving up your IT costs. And sometimes you don't want to include it for the purposes of analysis. So just landing the data together in a data lake and expecting it to be meaningful is something I find over and over again that a lot of executives don't quite get. Well,
1: and even if they do, the -the on-the-ground reality is that it's always complete. It's not always everything that you want because not all the data is in the data lake, and not all the assets that you need are even data. Like I said, there's code, there's documentation, there's people, there's applications. There's a lot of assets that in an organization one has that one wants to leverage to do analysis besides data.
0: So you're in charge of this new product. Can you tell us a little bit about it, and now that we understand a bit about the pain?
1: Yeah, so because I've seen this pain at some very large companies, I actually have tried to address it in the past, I've had people ask me, you know, the thing that you did back then, is that something you or anybody who's sort of doing that commercially is something I can get? And when I say a thing, it's kind of like a new category of thing. It's not a new algorithm for analysis. It's not a new visualization tool. Think of it more like a virtual analytics hub where it has kind of a view of all of the stuff, all the assets across your organization. It doesn't hold them. It just points to them. And when you need them, it's got a nice, say, a, allows you to connect to any of these analytic sources to be able to find them, discover them, if you will, combine them when you need to, and then publish them back out and do it all in sort of a collaborative way.
0: And what is the significance of it being a pointer versus hauling it all in and blending it together?
1: Well, if what you have instead of all the data in one place is the metadata of that stuff, then you're able to go get the data where it lives when you need it and not continually push it out to a a central location like a data lake.
0: Well, and I imagine as you have more and more data, that becomes almost like you don't have enough hours in the day to get it there?
1: Partially true. Yep. I mean, if you have a data lake and it has all of the stuff that you need, then great. But even if you had a data lake and it has absolutely everything you need and you're not storing anything anywhere else, including on your laptop or anywhere else, then you still have other applications you need to get to. You still have documentation about best practices of how one does work around analytics. You still have people in your organization who are experts in different areas, and you're not putting all those in a data lake. So you still need some way to sort of know that they exist, index them, and be able to search for them, access them, and then pull them in as necessary.
0: So could this be something like videos and PowerPoints and wikis? And I mean, we're really talking about not just structured data, clearly.
1: No, we're not. I mean, you shouldn't think about this as focused on data assets alone. It takes a broader view of all the things in your organization that you would consider an analytic asset.
0: So analytics assets, including expertise or really, gosh, it's almost mind-blowing to think about. I can see why you put it in a new category because I like the word you used previously about fabric. It's really this kind of embedded residual knowledge that's in all these pockets and corners of the organization that might be more difficult to pull in.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that I've seen at a lot of places, including places where I've worked, in that you don't always know what has already happened somewhere else or what the tribal knowledge is or even what applications or what wiki pages or what data systems are up to date and what tables should I be using, So, which ones are trusted or blessed by finance. It's hard to know where to find things. Once you find them, it's hard to know which ones are current or which ones should I rely on. And when new ones come along, how do I leverage them as well?
0: Yeah, I heard an interesting story around this, but it wasn't handled with the same kind of tool. I think it was the city of New York. So the chief data officer, for the city of New York, they are responsible for releasing a lot of information to the public because that they serve the public good. And so they release things like real estate data and building data and all these different tables. But the problem is when they do that, people get in and they find different ways to put the data together that's not what they would have recommended. And they make assumptions about what a certain column name is. And it becomes a PR nightmare for them because somebody will be like, oh, I found this amazing conclusion conclusion, and then it's just not true. So they really struggled with this idea. What they did is basically manual documentation to try to get on top of it. But do you have other examples where somebody might have a similar problem and could make use of this?
1: Well, I think as you talk about things like building a data culture or being more data-centric in an organization, that usually leads to this idea of data democratization. Let's let everybody be data citizens. Let everybody have access to all the data and then do with it what they will. But the problem is exactly what you described. If you don't understand where the data came from, how it's generated, what it means, what's missing from it, et cetera, et cetera, you end up potentially using it in the wrong way. So having a great library in R, for example, for manipulating the data and generating insights and doing regression and all that doesn't help any of that, right? The data is still what it is. So yeah, so having some context around the data is really, really helpful. Is
0: it helpful for specific situations? Like, do I have to be a big enterprise that really has this data democratization problem? where Nebo really
1: fits? I don't know if it's really big, but I would say it's not the sort of Joe's Pizza probably doesn't struggle with this necessarily. But once you get to a place where you've got more than a handful of people using, trying to do analytics, or you've got more than a few places where your data lives, or you've got more than a few applications that you're using that are starting to either generate insights in one form or another, could be graphs on the screen or data exports that they make available or whatever. Once you start to get more and more of these assets available, and I include analysts here as assets for the purposes of our discussion, it starts to get complicated. And so having some way to find it, catalog it, document it, combine it, and do it all sort of in a collaborative way becomes really important.
0: But I haven't heard you say you need to write it or hit it with Python or SQL or any kind of, like I have to be a coder to understand or pull in this information. Is that right? You don't have to be a
1: well, you don't. So this is really for the business analyst. It's for somebody who they know how to get their job done, but they need an assist to find these assets, potentially combine them uh, to create new assets, publish them, and do it in a collaborative way. So this system itself is that we're building is cloud native, SaaS solution. So it's easy just to log in, and then you can connect to whatever analytic assets that you currently have access to. It respects all the source systems. It doesn't do anything on the secure side that would undermine any security that's currently in place in the organization. Think of all the tools you use today for analysis. I would say keep using them. If they meet your need, keep using them. We're not looking to replace that. We're not looking to provide a great machine learning algorithm or a great visualization tool or whatever. There's lots and lots of them and more coming every day. And Nebo is saying, great, use all those. That's fine. It's not the analysis and the visualization if you will, of those assets that we are interested in. We're interested in making sure that you are able to get the raw materials you need and do it in a collaborative way. So think of it as kind of something that lives above all of the infrastructure and the analytic assets that you have, including all your tools, like you've got, say, some custom-created data mover tool that you can invoke. Great. Point to that. Right? We just want to make sure that you have a one-stop shop to be able to get to all the resources that you need.
0: And what I think is so powerful about that meta tool that super uber tool that you're describing with nebo is for customer data we typically see that it's spread across the organization it's a very horizontal operation as opposed to how we think about it in organizations usually very vertically and in order to get value and power out of the data you have these issues of trying to get data from one team or another team you maybe have to bring donuts that day or whatever to try to get hold of it in this this model, it seems like you're really smoothing out the ability to, you don't have to get it, you just have to be able to see it and point to it.
1: Right. So if somebody from the marketing department has logged into Nebo and said, "I've got a number of tools and maybe data sources or applications or whatever documents that I want to make available to the rest of the company," then they can just basically enter the information about how to do that. Now, you may come along and you're not in marketing and you don't even know that some of these systems or assets exist and you say, "Well, look at that. Look at these things I can use." Well, that doesn't mean you can access them, right? It just means that you know that they exist. And you still have to have permission right? From IT or whatever the governance of your company is. But at least you know now that there's something there that you might be able to use. Then you can go do the usual thing that one needs to do. We're not going to circumvent the security of the systems. But once you can log into them, then you can utilize them without having to know anything about where they are or who owns them or manages them. You just know that, oh, I have a new set of assets that I can use in my work.
0: Well, and also not having to rely on somebody else to pull an extra of that data that may or may not be exactly what you want because you didn't know to tell them something. I think knowing that there's something there is actually quite powerful. That's a huge part of the problem.
1: Yes. And if you know who initially connected the system, then you can go ask them information about it. I noticed that there's an asset here that looks like this. Is that something that you'd recommend I use in this kind of analysis, for example?
0: So it's kind of making data less blind. It's not just a dumb table. It's actually a more, it's like a layer of metadata intelligence on top
1: of it. Yes, I've been careful not to say data but to say asset because it could be an application, it could be a document, it could be a number of things that you're using to do your analysis or to help you do your analysis. Along the way, for example, let's suppose you are deep in some, say, CLV analysis and you realize there's something that you want to cross-reference this with, say, I don't know, geographic information, and you happen to know I don't know how you know, maybe because you've typed in geographic information or something and you see that I've done a lot of work in that area around geographic segmentation. And so you shoot me a note that says, do you have any maybe geo information that you could upload and maybe help me with my analysis? It shouldn't take too long. And you give me essentially right access to this workspace that you're building. And then I collaborate with you. Maybe I have something perfectly suitable on my laptop. I can upload it into Nebo and now it becomes part of the catalog of all of the assets across the organization, we do some blending or whatever we do within our collaborative workspace. And you say, perfect, this is just what I need. And then you're off to the races and you've created a new asset. We've done it collaboratively. And along the way, there's all this lineage, if you will, of all the things that we did so that if anybody else wants to copy it, change it, modify it later, or even see how did this come about, then that history is all there.
0: It's amazing. It's kind of this hidden problem, like until you get into the mix of it and you're up to your eyeball and data and you can't understand assets and the lineage isn't clear like until you felt that pain and you realize oh my gosh I've started with the wrong data set I think it becomes very obvious very quickly so it seems like you're ahead of the market when it comes to yes people feel this pain but there's a lot more pain coming the more and more people become able to use data able to use these assets able to or maybe expected to have an analytic measurable point of view in the work that they do. Would that be fair?
1: Well, I certainly hope that we're not too far ahead of the market. I mean, this is something that I've talked publicly about for, actually found a presentation that I gave in 2008 talking about some of the problems we had around analysts producing analysis, you know, whether it be PDFs or PowerPoints or whatever, and then not being able to share them in any way. Where do I publish these? How can they be indexed? You could think of it as simple knowledge management back then, but it has continued to be an issue beyond just I've finished an analysis, but now it's like the whole pipeline of analysis.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I think I saw on your site that there's actually a demo and you can actually download it and get into the tool. Can you talk a little bit more about where that is and where people go to check it out?
1: Well, you can go to nebo.ai, N-E-E-B-O.ai to get a sense of what we're doing. As you and I talk right now at the end of September 2019, we haven't announced this product yet. So it's sort of special for your listeners that this exists. Secret. Yes. Uh, and we're looking at a release date of probably January of 2020, but we're so excited about it that it's hard to keep wraps on it. And so that's why I've been happy to chat with you about what we're doing and what our vision is. If you go there to that website and you think it looks like something that you might want to kick around or test drive, there is a call to action button on there that you can click and have somebody contact you and see if it makes sense Sense for us to kick the tires together.
0: Are you looking for beta testers and do you want more feedback?
1: Yeah, would love it. Absolutely love it. You did mention one thing. You said something about downloading the application. I should say this is in the cloud. There's no downloads. You can run it from anywhere. It just lives in the cloud.
0: Yes, you're right. And it's just uh, dating me <laughs> from the idea that everything had to be downloaded. No, you're right. It's access in the cloud. It's a good call out. Thank you. <laughs> and if somebody wanted to reach out to you directly, what's the best way for them to get in touch? They could
1: probably just send me email at bob.page, P-A-G-E, at nebo.ai.
0: Nebo.ai. So again, that's N-E-E-B-O A-I, as always, links to everything we discussed are at AmbitionData.com slash podcast, and I will link out to the particular page that Bob referenced. Thank you, Bob, so much for joining us today. It's really exciting to kind of be in this like secret release. This is a real compliment.
1: Thanks, and I appreciate the opportunity to let you know what I'm up to.
0: Remember, everyone, when you use your data effectively, you can build customer equity. This is not magic. It's just a very specific journey that you can follow to get results. Thank you for joining today's show. This is your host, Allison Hartzell, and I have two gifts for you. First, I've written a guide for the customer centric CMO, which contains some of the best ideas from this podcast, and you can receive it right now. Simply text Ambition Data, one word, to 31996. And after you get that white paper, you'll have the option for the second gift, which is to receive the signal. Once a month, I put together a list of three to five things I've seen that represent customer equity signal, not noise. And believe me, there's a lot of noise out there. Things I include could be smart tools I've run across, articles I've shared, cool statistics, or people and companies I think are making amazing progress as they build customer equity. I hope you enjoy the CMO guide and the signal. See you next week on the Customer Equity Accelerator.